to wrap up our sermon series uh, on cultivating missional rhythms, uh, a topic that uh, I think strikes uh, to the heart of what it means for us to, to be the church. Um, when you think about what the church is, the church is uh, at its core a gathering of God's people. It's the assembling of God's people in Christ to, to worship him and to receive his word and to partake of the Lord's Supper and of believer's baptism. Um, and yet, <clears throat> Our gathering, as essential as it is, as God has brought us into the, to the family of God and called us to, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves and to, to welcome uh, with open arms all who would gather to, uh, to even, out of curiosity and interest, want to learn about Christ and Christianity, that, that we would do that weekly, that we would gather in that way. But the vast majority of our life is spent scattered. Um, but what's happened over time is that we begin to think that the mission of the church is best carried out by whoever stands in this position uh, that teaches the Bible and shares the gospel rather than uh, the mission being lived out by all of us, not excluding uh, who preaches God's word or who leads the church, but all believers together in the body of Christ seeking to live their everyday life wherever God's put them and whoever God has put around them with gospel intentionality, meaning that we want in word and deed uh, to, to make Christ known. We want Jesus to be evident in our lives, and, and we want to, to show the love of Jesus to others and extend uh, the offer of life in Jesus to others. That's what, that's what it's all about. Um, and so the mission of the church isn't going to be fulfilled through uh, the best event that we can throw, but it's going to be fulfilled when we live lives that demand gospel uh, explanations, when we live lives that seek to draw near to others, to love them and point them to Jesus. And so when we scatter, what we want to do is to be the kind of people who intentionally embrace God's mission, not who accidentally uh, perhaps uh, find ourselves in, a, in a, an opportunistic opportunity to share the gospel, but who intentionally seek out and live our lives in such a way that we can make Christ known. And, and in order to do that, uh, we, we, wanted to make, we wanted to make that concrete. We wanted to try to put some uh, some categories in place that would help us think about tangibly what does that mean when you think about the flow of your week what would it look like for us to cultivate missional rhythms this idea that these rhythms are our habits that or practices that we embrace that shape us you know you uh, today we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, the idea of a keystone habit small habits that kind of um, uh, affect other parts of our life. In some ways, these missional rhythms, all of them are, are keystone habits that, that can uh, kind of one small thing that can permeate other areas of our life and impact other areas of our life when we begin to embrace living intentionally, seeking to bless others. Jesus called us as his servants. It, uh, Jesus, as our, our Savior and King, came not to serve, but uh, came not to be served, but to serve. And we, uh, having uh, embraced him by faith, we are servants. Uh, and we seek to serve others through being a tangible blessing, uh, seeking to, uh, to love and, and care for and pray for and, um, and serve others. We, we are the kind of people who the, the very ordinary thing of having conversations with people, we, we intentionally seek to be the kind of people who are not just uh, trying to, to make it through a conversation so we can get on to saying what we want to say, but we care about people. 
and the people that God puts in our path, we want to, we want to hear them and seek to understand them and care about the work that God wants to do in them. That's the, the, the missional rhythm of listening. Uh, we, we, we want to be the kind of people who eat fully to the glory of God and for the good of ourselves, right? Can I get an amen? Like this is the missional rhythm that we all should easily embrace, right? This idea that we, we believe that this very natural thing, at least, um, you know, 14 times if you skip breakfast, which you're crazy to do that. So 21 times we eat in a given week. And, and as we eat, God's called us to be the kind of people, not just in eating, but in the course of our life that we're hospitable people. Whether it's in our home or at a coffee shop or at a restaurant or, or just on a walk with a friend or as you go, we're the kind of people who open ourselves up to others to humbly serve and to extend the grace that we've received in Christ to other people. That's what hospitality is about. That's what it means to, uh, to embrace the very ordinary rhythm of the meals that we partake in to be the kind of person that's hospitable uh, in our relationships with others. And then last week, we talked about what it looks like to speak the gospel, right? Like if we, if we just talk about being a blessing to others and being a good listener and even being hospitable, uh, those things ultimately are empowered by the grace that we've received in Jesus. It's not just about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. So this isn't just another list of things to do or you're a bad Christian or something like that. It's because we've received grace, we want to live our lives to make Jesus glorious, uh, as, to show how, how glorious Jesus truly is. And so when we seek to speak the gospel, what we're saying is that we believe uh, that God's story is the true story of the whole world. Uh, that the, the good news that we're made in his image and yet everything isn't the way that it's supposed to be because of sin. We're broken. This world's broken. Our relationships are broken. And the only thing that can fix it isn't more advice, isn't trying harder. The only thing that can fix it is ultimately Jesus crucified and resurrected. And because he got out of the grave, it doesn't matter how deep we are in the grave. He alone can lift us up and redeem us and rescue us. And because of that, we want to be the kind of people who don't just live uh, decent lives, but who live lives that demand gospel explanation and who seek opportunities to make the gospel clear to people. Uh, this is at the core of who we are. And it's so easy in our day to, to perhaps shy away from this rhythm, but it's the one rhythm that defines the people of God, that we not only live lives that are motivated by this gospel grace, but we live lives that seek to speak this gospel grace to others. And so today we come to our last one, which in some ways doesn't seem like it fits. And yet I pray as you hear me today, uh, you see uh, how indeed it does fit into the rhythm of our lives. And that's Sabbath rest. Uh, the idea of, of intentionally seeking to rest in Christ and to practice the principle of Sabbath rest in the rhythm of our life. Um, you know, God made us to work and to rest. We're going to look at God's good design in a few moments and creation of how he made us to work and rest. I think sometimes we, uh, we wish God didn't make us to work, but it's not the work that's the problem. It's the thorns and the thistles, sometimes embodied in people, sometimes embodied in tasks, right, that make work so difficult. That's a result of this fallen world. Um, and uh, sometimes I ask myself, like, I, I hope I'm not a thorn or a thistle for the people that I work with, right? Um, but that's the, that's the result of the fall, that, that work can be hard, but work in and of itself is good. 
And just as God worked in the creation of the world, he then rested. And we have this pattern of work and rest that God has given us. And uh, and I think this topic is so important. And today I, I share this not as someone who's figured this out, but someone who's been uh, taking a beating all week as I've studied God's word, being reminded of how much I raise my fist in the face of God and tell him that though you made this world with this good order of work and rest, I think that I know better than you and that I can live my life according to my own uh, rhythm of work and rest rather than embracing yours. And I I think there are two trends that we have as it relates uh, to work and rest. The first is that we have no limit to our work. Um, And in part, the pandemic has made this even harder because the lines have been blurred between uh, work and rest in an even greater way. And when I say work, if you're a student, uh, don't count yourself out. Your academic work is, is in picture here and at play here. Um, <clears throat> perhaps in addition to your academic work, you also have a job that you're balancing, or perhaps you're just balancing, um, <clears throat> uh, just isn't the right word, but you're balancing work and life, and these two things come together. The reality is, though, we live in a culture <clears throat> that by and large has very little limit on work. Um, Work hard all week and rest on the weekend was the idea. But instead, what we get is work hard all week, sacrifice your sleep if you have to, as well as other important things in your life and whatever you don't get done, well, there's the weekend to get that done, right? That's that's what ends up happening sometimes if we're not careful and there's not uh, limits to our work. And the second thing is when we do rest, we end up at times putting ourselves at the center of our rest. And I think we see this today. Uh, there's positive elements of it, but there's a, I think there's a, a misdirection at times in it in, our, in, the, in the, the trend of self-care, uh, taking care of yourself. I believe that our physical, our mental, our emotional well-being is vital, and there are good resources and tools to, to help us do that. But I believe that the root issue a lot of times is a wrong view of ourselves in relation to God and in relationship to our work. And we think that work depends on us. All our relationships depend on us. And we, we look at ourselves, our work, our failures, our success, our disappointments, and our desires. And everything is funneled through me, myself, and I. And, and we have self at the center of our rest when God made us for our rest to be found in him. Not only spiritually, but even physically and emotionally and mentally. He's, he's created us in such a way that our rest is for our good, and yet that rest that's for our good is ultimately found in him. And so we need to receive today, I believe, God's invitation to rest. This is my sermon on taking a nap this afternoon, all right? Amen, right? Everyone can go home and believe in obedience to God that a nap is good. Um, <clears throat> now, it's, it's more than that. Uh, But I believe we need to receive God's invitation to find our rest in him and embrace the wisdom of Sabbath rest in the rhythm of our lives. And the way this ties into missional rhythms, because in some ways it's like, well, we're talking, is this like missional napping? You know, how exactly do you do that? Right. Uh, That's that's not what I'm saying. I, I want to tie it together in this way. And that Sabbath rest reminds us that the mission of God doesn't depend on us. The mission of God is God's work. It's ultimately God's mission. But he invites us into that mission and for us to live on mission. I believe that ministry or mission, if you will, is sustainable sacrifice. To live your life for God in any capacity 
is going to require sacrifice, giving of yourself for the sake of others. That's what Jesus told us. If you love someone, it's always self-sacrificial love. You can't love without sacrificing self. Um, and, and Jesus calls us to, to do that uh, to one another in the body of Christ and to, to the world that he's put us in. And if we're going to do that, it's not just do it uh, until you drop dead, but it's do it as you're resting in him. For us to live on mission, we must learn to trust God with our lives and be refueled for the work that he has for us to do. And I think the way that we do that is ultimately by practicing Sabbath rest. Now, I want us to look at uh, kind of, uh, if you will, a a 30,000 foot overview of the the idea of Sabbath rest in the Bible. It's not as simple as saying, well, in the Ten Commandments, we have a command to keep the Sabbath. Therefore, today we keep the Sabbath. It's it's not exactly uh, one for one in that way because of uh, how God has worked throughout history and throughout time and ultimately in Christ. And so I want us to unpack it in a way today to understand God's intention uh, of Sabbath rest, which is somewhat redundant, but Sabbath means literally rest and rest. Well, it literally means Rest, but uh, we see the the in Hebrews in particular this idea of Sabbath rest uh, used as an emphasis. And so, typically, when you hear Sabbath in the Bible, it has to do with the idea of the command to keep the Sabbath. But the command of the Sabbath is rooted in God's resting from His work on the seventh day of creation. And so, we're going to unpack this first by looking at God's design for Sabbath rest in creation. So, uh, open to the front of your Bible. Uh, to Genesis 2, 1 through 3. <clears throat> in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, uh, <clears throat> in, the, in the next, really the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to be digging, in, uh, digging into Genesis in a particularly unique way. Next Sunday, we start a new sermon series through Genesis 1 through 11 called Origins, where we're going to look at the origins of, of creation, of humanity, of how God has designed us, of sin, of, of the brokenness in this world, and, uh, and what it means to live in a fallen world. Uh, we're going to begin unpacking that. We'll take a break for our Advent series and pick that back up in Genesis uh, probably 5 through 11 at the beginning of the new year. Uh, but as I've been reading Genesis, I've just been reminded that it's not only at the beginning of the Bible because it introduces the rest of the Bible, uh, but literally when it says in the beginning, it's laying the foundation, not just for uh, what unfolds in the Bible, but for all of life, for understanding who we are, who God is, what it means to live in this world. Um, And then in our equip class coming up, uh, starting on October 24th, we're going to be unpacking the storyline of the Bible in four weeks, starting with creation, uh, which will take us uh, to the heart of Genesis. And so, um, so uh, fitting that we find ourselves here looking at Genesis 2 as the, uh, <clears throat> the foundation of God's design for Sabbath rest and creation. Look what it says. It says that, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. He Sabbathed on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The best way I've heard this explained is that God does not rest on the seventh day for rejuvenation. God rests on the seventh day for exaltation. He rests on the seventh day not because he needed to be refreshed, from, you know, creating the whole world. Uh, he rested on the seventh day to enjoy the work of his creation. 
He steps back from his creation, as he calls it, that it's very good. And he delights in his finished work. He's satisfied in his finished work. And ultimately, everything was as God had intended. And so he rests from his work in such a way that he's rejoicing in, expressing satisfaction in what he has done, in the work of his hand in creating all things. And it said, if you notice there in Genesis 2-3, that he blessed the day and that he made it holy. And that idea of blessing it and making it holy, it's God setting apart this day as a special day, as this a day of rest. <clears throat> and, and namely, it's a day that's focused on him. He set it apart in order that we might focus on him and his works. <clears throat> and, and in blessing this day, just like when we say God has blessed someone, the idea is that, well, that person has many blessings. They have a wealth of blessings that God has given them. For God to bless this day, it's to say that in keeping this rest, there is blessing to be found. However, here in Genesis 2, this isn't a command, right? We don't see the command to keep the Sabbath until Exodus 20. Here in Genesis 2, this is a reality. It's the reality that God created for six days and rested on the seventh day. It's it's God saying, I'm the creator. I'm the self-sufficient one. And if God himself delights in his creation, then those he made in his image should do no less. Is that in essence what God's saying? He's, he's good, wise, and sovereign. All things owe their existence to him. That's his sovereignty in action. All things are made by his design. That's his wisdom on display. Everything that he makes is good. That's his goodness made known to us. This is God's pattern of work and rest that we see laid out in creation. It's a pattern that in many ways God intends to set the pattern for our lives. His working and then resting is to be the pattern of our lives. And we see this as God makes this a command for his people to observe. Starting in Exodus 20, what we're going to do is look at Exodus 20. uh, As God brought the people out of bondage in Egypt and, uh, and is calling them into the promised land, he gives them the law and then the Mosaic covenant is called the old covenant. That's to shape how they were to live as a people who put on display what it meant to belong to God. Um, they had been redeemed by grace through the Exodus. And now in light of that grace, they're to live as God's people, right? Like it's, it's never the, the message of the gospel is never live this way so you can get God's grace. It's God has been so gracious to us and redeemed us freely in Christ. Therefore, live in light of the freedom and the grace that he's given you in Jesus, right? That's, that's how God has operated from the beginning. And so he's redeemed them through Egypt. Then he gives them the law to, 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 to be the pattern of their lives, to shape who they are, to show forth who God is in the way that they live. Well, they, they don't believe God. They don't trust what he says in terms of getting them into the promised land. So they've got 40 years of wandering in the desert. And that 40 years is costly for many people of that original generation who die. Um, and a new generation uh, raises up with, with some other people who were there in the beginning, like Joshua and Caleb. And in Deuteronomy, Moses gives the law a second time as they're about to re-enter, or really enter for the first time. They're on the cusp of entering for the second time. He gives them the law again. Deuteronomy is basically a sermon on the law that God gave in Exodus. And in restating the law, we're going to see both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy how God 
shows us that Sabbath rest is to remind us of two different things. One, as we see in Exodus 20, Sabbath rest reminds us that God is our creator. Look at Exodus 20. If you flip over from Genesis a few pages and Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11, as you're going through the Ten Commandments, all of them are relatively short. And then you get to the fourth commandment and it's four verses. Um, And and I I think it's showing us the significance uh, uh, of it. It's not that it's more important than the others, but it's interesting the the degree to which God explains its significance. He says in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. He says, like, you really got to rest. You can't just have everybody else work while you rest. Everybody's got to rest. And then in verse 11, he tells us why. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You see, the Sabbath rest is meant to remind us that God is our creator. Verses 8 through 10, give the command. Verse 11, give the reason. And... And, and as he uh, unpacks this, he gives us this rhythm of working six days and resting on the seventh day. That was to be the, the rhythm of uh, God's people's lives. That's how they were to live. <clears throat> and and, and here's, here's what I think God's doing in giving the Sabbath. Now, not as just a reality of how God created all things, but as a command for God's people to keep. What he's saying is that since God is the creator, we're dependent, not self-sufficient. Since God's the creator and God being the creator and his work of creation and rest from creation is the pattern of our lives, it reminds us that we are dependent people, not self-sufficient. There's only one self-sufficient person, and that's God. We are dependent people. He's our reference point, not ourselves. To, To rest reminds ourselves that we're not at the center of everything working and operating. God is at the center of everything working and operating. <clears throat> for Israel to keep the Sabbath was, was central for their lives because it centered their lives on God. It said that God is at the center of who we are. <clears throat> and with God being at the center of who we are, <clears throat> talk about not being uh, self-sufficient. <clears throat> uh, thank you. Let's give Pastor Chris a hand. Since since God is self-sufficient, we're to to stop and center our lives on him and to to remind ourselves that we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to God. You know, and thinking about the Sabbath, in many ways, this pattern is the pattern that shapes our work week, Right. I know there's talk about maybe a four-day work week and a three-day weekend, you know, perhaps that would be awesome. Uh, but uh, we, we work during the weekday and then we have the weekends off or, or obviously people work on the weekends. And so there's some form of a weekend. Maybe it's split into two days and split up in the week. But this idea of working and resting, um, at least in theory, we've embraced, right? Uh, but, but if you take the concept of the weekend and compare it to Sabbath, here's... I don't want to press this too much, but I think this is legitimate. What happens is the weekend, 
we, we ultimately, we view the first day of the weekend, Saturday, as the day to get all the stuff done that we want to get done or that we need to get done, maybe beyond work at our home or, uh, you know, running some errands or whatever it is. And then uh, the Lord's Day is the day where we, uh, we finish whatever we didn't get done on Saturday and then do whatever we need to do to get ready for the rest of the week. And if we can fit in time for God, then that's awesome right? Like that's kind of what happens. I, you're all here, so that doesn't apply to you this week, but that, that's kind of what happens sometime. And uh, the Sabbath isn't a one-to-one equivalent to, to the Lord's Day, to the worshiping on Sunday, but uh, that's, that's kind of what happens in the weekend is that it becomes centered on getting done what we need to get done. And then if we can find time to enjoy God or be with God's people, uh, then great. Uh, but if not, Monday's coming and we got to get ready, you know? So at the end of the day, you got to be ready for the week. Well, this, what the Sabbath does is it says, in some way, shape, or form, I'm setting aside time to focus on God and His good gifts. I'm setting aside specific time to focus on Him and His work for, that He's done for me and allowed me to enjoy. One commentator said it this way. He said, it was as if God was saying and giving the Sabbath to Israel, let my highest creatures, the one in my image, stop every seven days and commemorate with me the fact that I'm the Creator who's done all of this. Let them stop working and focus on me, that I'm the source of all that they have. I'm the fountain of blessing. I made the very hands and minds with which they work. Let one day out of seven demonstrate that all the land, all the animals, all the raw materials, all breath, strength and thought and emotion and everything comes from me. Let man look to me in leisure one day out of seven for the blessing that is so elusive in the affairs of this world. See, God blessed the Sabbath. And he set it apart for a day to focus on him and his good works. And he's given this to Israel in order for them to center their lives on him, to remember that they're dependent on God and his work on their behalf. The Sabbath is God's invitation for us to join him in the enjoyment of himself and the enjoyment of his work. God is our highest good. What he's done is the best that could ever be done. So for him to invite us in to enjoying that is the greatest thing that we could ever experience. Our enjoyment is tied to our understanding that we're dependent on him and his, uh, that he's the giver of every good gift, that he is the creator. But we're not, just de- we're not just to be reminded of Sabbath rest that God is our creator, but Deuteronomy emphasizes that we're to be reminded that God is our redeemer. Look at Deuteronomy 5, just a few uh, books over, a few pages over, Deuteronomy 5. Remember, this is the, um, <clears throat> the giving of the Ten Commandments a second time after they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They're about to enter. They didn't enter previously because of unbelief. That's what we saw in Hebrews. The, they didn't enter into this rest that God had provided for them in the promised land because of unbelief. And so he says, you can check that out in Numbers 13 if you want to look at that later. But as they're about to enter the promised land, he restates the law and he does the same thing that he does in Exodus 20. In verses 12 through 14, he gives the command. It's rest. Work six, rest on the seventh. Everybody's to rest. Verse 15 gives us the reason. Look at verse 15 in particular in Deuteronomy 5, 15. He says, you shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, your Lord God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the reason is that we're to be reminded that God is our Redeemer. We not only need the Sabbath 
rest because we're finite creatures who are dependent on God. We need Sabbath rest because we are sinners in need of redemption. We are in need of rescuing. We are in need of a redeemer. If we had to rescue ourselves, we would never be able to stop working. If it were up to us, there would always be something more to be done. Even if we felt we were pretty good, there would always be the chance that we should do a little bit more just to make sure we had done enough. We would always be living with something to prove or something to earn. Instead, Sabbath rest says God is the redeemer. He redeems you not because of your work, but because of his work. And he invites you in not to just work for him, but to rest in him. And having found your rest in him, then do all your work for his glory. It turns everything upside down. You don't, just like we don't work to get his grace, we don't work uh, in order to, uh, to, to experience his rest. We have rest in him so that it enables us to work for him. God alone can set us free from the bondage of our sin. He alone can save. And he alone sets us apart to belong to him. That's, that's where the freedom is found, that there's nothing to prove. Your, your meaning and significance isn't wrapped up in your job performance. It's not wrapped up in how much you accomplish and your productivity and, and meeting all your five and ten year goals for yourself or for your family. Our meaning and our significance is wrapped up in who He is and what He's done for us. He alone is our Redeemer. And as it relates to work and rest, I appreciate how Tim Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, uh, he, he fleshes this out. He talks about it particularly as it relates to our, our actual work, our vocation. He, he talks about the work underneath the work. And it's that, uh, that sense of being haunted uh, by the need to prove or save ourselves, to gain a sense of worth or identity in the work that we do. And he says the command for Sabbath rest to be reminded, whether that's in our studies or in our job, to be reminded that God made us. He alone can save us, that our meaning comes not from striving to prove something to him or for him or to others or for others, but from receiving the rest that he secured for us. And I think the reality is a lot of us live with lies and accusations in our head running constantly, sometimes suppressed because things are going well or we just don't have the energy to think about it. Um, And Sabbath rest is meant for us to take our focus off those things and to mute those lies and those accusations and listen to the voice of God that, that says, remember that I'm the creator. Remember that I'm the redeemer. Remember that in your failure to keep the Sabbath, that I'm the one who redeemed deems you. I'm the one who rescues you, not because you've kept everything perfectly, but because I have done everything perfectly on your behalf. This is what Sabbath rest reminds us. And and all of it shows us that the, the old covenant command to keep the Sabbath is ultimately a sign pointing forward to a future day, a future rest that God is going to secure for us. And that brings us to our fourth point into the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. See, the Old Testament law about keeping the Sabbath points back to God's design and creation. God's the center of all things. Rest is found by enjoying him and his work. But by the time we get to the, 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 the New Testament, and particularly to the, to the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, we see that <clears throat> the Israelites had a pretty complex set of rules dictating how they kept the Sabbath, what was work, what wasn't work, the whole nine yards. Um, and Jesus constantly uh, was getting dogged on for breaking the Sabbath. 
And so I think what we have to ask ourselves, was Jesus a lawbreaker or was uh, was Jesus telling us what the Sabbath is really about? And everybody else had made the Sabbath into something that it, it wasn't. I think the, the latter is the case. Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. He didn't dismiss the Sabbath. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. That's what we see in the Gospels. And that's what Hebrews is pointing us to. And that the way we enjoy what God made us for, the way we become who God has designed us to be as his image bearers is to trust in Jesus as our Sabbath rest. I you to think about what Jesus showed up and said in Matthew 11. In the beginning, God said he rested from his work. He enjoyed and was satisfied in all that he had, had accomplished. He's the one who can offer rest. When Jesus showed up, what did he say to the people who were weary, who were tired, who were under the burden of breaking the law and disobeying God and of the burden of their sin? He said, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is the giver of rest, and as Jesus comes through his work on our behalf, he alone can give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as I was studying Matthew 11 this week, it dawned on me right after he said that Jesus then gets into a little bit of a beef over the Sabbath and how he picked some grain uh, and the disciples ate it. And then later on, he healed a man on the Sabbath. And Matthew 12, Jesus says that the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I'm what the Sabbath is about. And he, furthermore, he says, all the, all the rules you've got about what's work and not work, uh, what's not work on the Sabbath, it's not, it's not breaking the Sabbath to do good on the Sabbath. Who of you, if your animal wasn't in the ditch, wouldn't pull him out of the ditch, Jesus says. The Sabbath was meant for us to enjoy God and his works and in part to do God, which reflects God's original purposes in creation and the way that we love others, right? The whole law summed up in this, love God and love your neighbor. If our Sabbath is just about loving ourselves, we've missed the point. If it's just about securing a better feeling for ourselves or just giving ourselves physical rest, we've missed the point. The Sabbath is intended to help us to enjoy loving God and enjoy loving others. And so look at, look at Hebrews 4. Um, we didn't read all of this, but uh, leading up to Hebrews 4 and, and Hebrews 3, um, <clears throat> Right before it, he, he, goes, he begins to introduce this idea of a Sabbath rest that God has for his people. Um, and as he talks about this Sabbath rest, he describes how we enter the Sabbath rest. Listen to, um, you can see perhaps in your heading, starting in verse 7, a rest for the people of God. He's quoting from Psalm 95 and how Psalm 95 pointed back to when Israel was wandering in the wilderness, not believing and trusting God to enter into the promised land, the rest that God had promised for them. He says in, uh, in verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ. That's how we enter the Sabbath rest. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm from the end that we believe and, um, <clears throat> and we trust in him, having come to share in Christ. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For those who had heard and yet rebelled, he talks about how um, not all those who left uh, Egypt uh, led by Moses made it into the promised land. Verse 19, we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. 
That the way you enter into rest is by coming to share in Christ and the way that you share in Christ is by believing, by trusting in His work for us. And he goes on to say in Hebrews 4, as, as we heard read before the service, if Joshua had given them, verse 8, if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken of another day later on. There's a rest that the Sabbath rest was pointing forward to. So there remains a Sabbath rest. There it is. The Bible says Sabbath rest, uh, just as I uh, was being redundant. Uh, for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest, listen to this, has rested from his works as God has rested from his. What, what Hebrews points out, and as Paul points out through the New Testament, as, as the entirety of the gospel reminds us, that if you want to enter into God's rest, if you want new life in Christ, you can't get there by striving. You can't get there by your work. You have to trust that Jesus has done everything for you. And when Jesus was hung up on the cross, put on the cross in our place and for our sin, as he hung there, he cried out, it is finished. The work was done. The payment for our sin, the guilt of our sin, the, the judgment of God against our sin, the shame of our sin, the, the, the being uh, enemies with God, the being separated from God, the, the brokenness in our, in our relationship before God. All of that was finished on the work of the cross that Jesus accomplished through his work for us, what we could not accomplish for ourselves to give us a rest that we could not have apart from him. Church Father St. Augustine said it this way, a man who, uh, excuse me, that you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We experience God's ultimate design for rest when we trust in Jesus. And this is also why when we rest and do leisure with ourself at the center, we miss God's purpose in it. If, I'm not saying that there's not room for leisure and just doing whatever it is that, you know, you enjoy doing, vegging out, watching your favorite show, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. But our rest is meant, the rest that God intends us to, to set aside is rest that enjoys him, that helps stir up our hearts for him, that helps us to enjoy what he's done for us, that helps us to enjoy what he's made it when we eat our meal on the Sabbath, when we spend time with friends on a Sabbath, when we, when we do these things, it's, we're, we're doing it with a heightened reminder and sense that God is the giver of all good gifts and that he's the one who's worked on our behalf. Jesus is our Sabbath rest that we are to receive by faith. If, if you hear me talking about rest and you hear nothing else, hear that Jesus' invitation to us is to stop working to try to prove ourselves to him or to anybody else and to come humbly and say, God, I don't have it figured out. I can't save myself, but I really believe you died and you got up out of the grave. And because of that, you have my life. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to enter into the rest that God provides. And he invites anyone and everyone to put their trust in him. And then ultimately, all of this, if the Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus and Jesus is our Sabbath rest, the question becomes, how do we practice the Sabbath? It's not a command that we are to obey as it's been fulfilled in Christ. And it's not restated as a command in the New Testament that we are to keep. You won't see throughout the New Testament a command to keep the Sabbath. And yet Jesus honored the Sabbath. 
He showed us the purpose of the Sabbath. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He hasn't dismissed it, but he's redefined it as ultimate rest in him. But because God's Sabbath rest wasn't just a command of the old covenant, but it's a a pattern of creation, it reminds us that we're to practice the wisdom of the principle of Sabbath rest. So this is, this is in part what has been uh, kicking me uh, so hard this week as I just reflect on my life and how uh, slow I am uh, to, to stop what I'm doing and to enjoy God and to rest in such a way that I'm intentionally seeking to enjoy Him and His good gifts. You see, we express our trust in God as our Creator and as our Redeemer, this pattern of Sabbath rest, this wisdom of Sabbath rest rooted in creation. We do that by setting aside time weekly to focus on God and his good gifts. We set aside time to focus on God and his good gifts. And when I talk about Sabbath rest, uh, you know, I think the thing is, as it's, as it's something that we practice the wisdom of in order to honor God, it is going to be a measure of diversity in how we practice it. What's rest and helps us to enjoy God? Um, some of us are going to first and foremost think about wanting to be out on a walk, on a trail, rejoicing in God's good creation. Some of you are going to want to prepare a meal and feast in God's provision and goodness uh, of the sustenance that he's provided us. At the center of all that we should do should be some form in which we're worshiping and, and setting our minds and hearts on God through his word. That, that's what we do throughout the course of our week. But the Sabbath rest is setting aside specific time to say, God, I'm dependent on you. I'm not in control. The world doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around you. So let me begin by making my life revolve around you. The key isn't to not do anything, but instead it's to do restful things that provoke worship and enjoyment of God's gift, whether it be being out in his creation, enjoying a meal, reading a good book, enjoying a hobby, really break from the work that you have to do so that you can enjoy your family, your friends, Christian community, perhaps even serving others in your Sabbath rest. Setting aside time to, to, to not just do nothing, but to rest in God, enjoying what he's done for us, enjoying his good gifts to us. Practically, as you think about what this looks like, I heard it said that um, by one author that a person who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands. A person who works with his hands should Sabbath with their mind. The idea is that, you know, if your work is highly relational, you, you may need to go do, do something with your hands. Some, some people call this an avocational uh, activity, something that other people do for a job. Uh, you go and do it for yourself, you know, the, the sense of perhaps it's a, like woodworking or perhaps you, you want to learn an instrument or you want to do something that other people do professionally. But for you, it's this outlet of, of enjoying uh, God's good gifts and resting in him. Uh, perhaps uh, there's, there's a sense in which uh, if you're working hard with your hands, you, you need time and, and maybe you feel like you have no time throughout your week to set aside for God. You especially need time to just stop all the activity and say, God, I'm all yours. Maybe you need to sleep for two hours and then be able to pray. All the time we feel bad for falling asleep while we pray, the Sabbath says, take a nap. And when you wake up, praise God, (laughs) right? Like God's amazing that he's designed the world in such a way that it reflects this need to work and this need to rest. This hits home and we'll close with this and transition to the Lord's Supper here in a moment. I was 
uh, reflecting on <clears throat> something that John Piper wrote uh, in regards to the Sabbath. And <clears throat> this is one of those, uh, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch uh, kind of statements. He said, the reason that so many people feel it a burden to practice the Sabbath is partly because we have so much leisure. We don't feel the need for Sabbath rest. But more important, I think it's the fact that not many people really enjoy what God intended us to enjoy in our rest, namely himself. Many professing Christians enjoy sports and television and secular books and magazine and recreation. And this is obviously written a few years ago. Blogs, you know, whatever. Social media, uh, hobbies and games far more than they enjoy direct interaction with God. In his word and in worship or in reading a book that stirs our heart for him or a meditative stroll outside. Therefore, inevitably, people whose hearts are set more on the pleasure of the world than on enjoyment of God will feel the Sabbath a burden, not a blessing. Ouch. I don't have time to stop for 24 hours and not do any work. Maybe it's not 24 hours. I, I'm, gonna, I'm actually, my, my uh, flowing out of this is to find a way to cease working and enjoy God for 24 hours. But maybe you set aside a chunk of day, a time in a day to get started. But I, I, honestly, I look at that and I go, I don't have time to do that. And yet I then look at God's pattern in creation, the God who made all things, who made us to work and then to rest. And I think to myself, who, who am I to say that I know better than God? God's called us to, to rest and to truly practice it uh, in our lives. <clears throat> Whatever you do, set apart time. Mark the time that you're setting apart. Maybe you begin your Sabbath rest by praying, asking God to use it to stir your heart up for him and to enjoy his gifts. I heard of a family who they begin their practice of their Sabbath rest by lighting a candle and saying a prayer together before they, they enter into their time of Sabbath rest, that they're marking the beginning of it and then they do everything throughout it with a heightened sense of enjoying God at the center of all that they do. Maybe it's lingering longer in a conversation over a meal with a friend. Not just because you have extra time, but because you're enjoying the gift of food and, and of friends that God has provided. Maybe it's lingering longer in God's word or in prayer because you know how desperate and needy you are. And then as I mentioned, these, these, this idea of Sabbath rest and these other missional rhythms are, I think, best described as a keystone habit. A small change that can carry over to the rest of your life. Imagine what happens if all of us center our lives on God every week. Just imagine if we say it's not about the weekend isn't about me and my time at the center of whatever the weekend looks like for me is Sabbath rest in God. How that fuels our life to be about him and not ourselves. I don't even know all the ways in which it might overflow, but I believe it will because it's God's wisdom and creation. And it's ultimately what his redemption points us to. And all of this ties in with our missional rhythms in these two ways as our band comes up. Our mission in cultivating missional rhythms ultimately flows from enjoying God and his work on our behalf. You think about that? Mission flows from rest and rest in God fuels our mission. That our, our cultivating missional rhythms ultimately flows from enjoying God. That's what the Sabbath rest is all about. How much are we missing in our mission because we're neglecting to rest in God? How much are we missing in life as God intended it? Because he's not at the center of it. And then secondly, it reminds us in, that in our mission, we're not, we're not salesmen and women. 
We're not throwing a, a stick out, a pitch out to people to join our team. What we're doing as God's ambassadors is inviting people to experience what God made them for. Like this is what God designed us to experience and enjoy himself and his good works. And that the way we discover what God made us for, that, that lingering sense of meaning and significance and not living up and being found out, all of those things, all of it's, it finds its answer in trusting Jesus as our Redeemer. That's what we're doing as we carry out our mission, inviting people to find their rest in Him. And our rest in the Lord is possible because Jesus finished His work on the cross and in His resurrection for us. Here in a moment, we're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper.